Church. So we're going to read 1 Peter, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the, Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So far the reading. Thanks, Fiona. That's good. Um, I thought that just uh, before I get into uh, the sermon this morning, I'd just give you a little bit of a snapshot of um, my last month. Uh, so most of you would know that uh, I spent three weeks in Uganda with the uh, Hope Builders team over there. Uh, and then I had a, a week uh, in the Grampians with my family, uh, enjoying some uh, holidays there as well. Um, I just thought it, uh, good for you to hear a little bit about um, our Uganda trip. Um, it was a team of, uh, we had about thir uh, 13 of us. Um, and um, it was quite a diverse team. So I think I might have mentioned this before I went. We had five people who were 65 to 73, and we had five people who were 18 to 25, and then there was a couple of us in the middle. And uh, <laughs> it was a little bit unexpected for me, but it should have been. But we did have some generational issues um, on the team. Uh, a bit of disconnect both ways, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, and we also had, as part of that group, we had five people who were not Christians uh, as part of that team. And so um, it led to some rather emotionally intense um, and spiritually intense uh, times and situations and, uh, and physically intense as well. And the beauty uh, that I testify to uh, that sort of journey is uh, God hearing the cries of me a lot <laughs> each night going, oh, and people here that I ask to pray as well. 
um, and that God actually brought a sense of unity and a working together um, and um, an understanding of that diversity as God used us uh, in that place. It was probably the team that I've been part of that most connected with and related to Ugandan people there. There was just lots of connections and interactions with the lives of Ugandan people there that impacted people sort of both ways. Um, and so it was just great to see God at work at the mid- in the midst of this sort of diversity and, um, uh, and, and coming together as a team. It was great while we are there, got to catch up with uh, Luke and Agnes and Ethan um, and just continue to see the work of God through their ministry and through Youth Support Uganda. Um, just, guys, keep praying for them while we were there. Again, Ethan was, um, had to be taken off to hospital uh, and just the life of infants there, it just full-on tough stuff. And also just the sort of spiritual attack that comes on them as a family. But oh, I was just so encouraged in seeing One Hope Community Church being impact, uh, sorry, moving people in following Christ in Uganda through Luke and through Agnes and seeing disciples of Christ being grown up in that context, meeting young men and women whose lives have been transformed by the gospel and by uh, the, the ministry of Youth Support Uganda and seeing them on fire for God and wanting to make a difference in their country, in their church, uh, in the lives of their family. It was great. My reflection on the whole sort of trip for me is this. Long-term community discipleship breaks the cycle of poverty. That's sort of my reflection. Long-term community discipleship breaks the cycle of poverty. And it's, um, we had this situation uh, each, each day as the team would walk up to the Village of Hope in the first few days, they would interact, interact with the poverty on either side of the road. Many of you have done that already um, if you've been there. There's, there's people living in poverty and straight away their hearts went out to those people and wanted to do something and the team started talking about how can we help uh, these people, can we give them some clothes or pay for some school fees and there was all those sorts of talk about how. But then they would go into the village, the Village of Hope, um, and they'd be there and they'd say, oh, this is working really well. The, the kids are well looked after. They're, they're, um, they're doing well. The things are sort of operating here. That's good. Um, and then later on, we were reflecting on how that came about. And that the Village of Hope and some of that work has come about by eight years of sustained uh, input and, and work and people um, sort of gathering together as a com- community, putting into the lives of children. It was great for me to meet kids who had come into the village when they were sort of 8, 10, 11, and now meeting them at 17, 18, 19, and having these kids, uh, seeing these kids um, being part of breaking the cycle of poverty in their own lives, in the lives of their family, and I think in the future of Uganda. Uh, talking to some of these, these kids who uh, are full-on followers of Jesus, uh, who um, and now many of them have work, uh, either, or many of them, some of them have work as mechanics or working in hospitality. Uh, there are some of them going to university. Um, they are actively involved in their local church at One Hope, commu- uh, One Hope Community Church, <laughs> um, Abundant Life Church. 
um, and to see the effect that long-term sustained input into uh, people uh, has just made joy in my heart. And that's the way that God chooses to work, that God chooses to disciple and to grow his people is through this, through you, through each other as we interact together, as we seek to uh, disciple one another and to see, you know, the mothers, the pastors, the church, the friends, um, other people who have come in and inputted into these kids uh, over a long period of time. It's just great. I spent some time with Pastor George in the church there and just interacting with him and getting a feel for what happens in church life uh, in Uganda. And it was really good uh, as I sat with him uh, there in a situation where the government's compulsorily acquiring their block of land where they, they um, have their church and operate from. And so their future this year is really uncertain. And we talked about how could we as a church interact with them as they go through this journey I said, what can we learn from you as a church? <laughs> While I was there, the first week I was there, the church, and they do this a lot at the beginning of the year, most years, I think, uh, they had a week of prayer. The church, people just gathered, and as they went past the church, they stopped in for prayer, and they prayed all week, and many times all night, as they prayed for God to lead them and guide them and direct them as a church uh, for their future. And I, Pastor George and I, I said, we can learn about prayer life from your church. Um, so we'll see uh, so where that goes. Uh, back here this week, after sort of vegging out in the Grampians for a while, and just, uh, Australian bush, just good to be back in Australia. It is a blessed country that we live in, walking over some mountains, watching some tennis and cricket, and it's a good country we live in. Back into this week, uh, coming here, uh, getting updates, sitting with Andrew and sort of hearing some of the things that have been happening in the last month or so, um, talking to our ministry leaders. It's always a joy when I come back. We had a staff there on Wednesday. All of us were there. And to hear about the things that are happening and that, you know, like we prayed for earlier, uh, mainly music kicking off, uh, youth programs, uh, young adults camps, um, you know, these things being organized and uh, ready for us to go. So... Uh, it was exciting. And then similar, <laughs> similar to what I was reflecting on that, on that whole Uganda experience, I thought, it's the same here. Long-term sustained discipleship, year in, year out, as we seek to grow uh, each other, put input each other, have new people join us. As, and sometimes that's not really exciting, and it's just hard work, and the beginning of the year is tough, and getting things up and running for the tough uh, is tough. But yet, I just wanted to keep that picture. And I, it, it, for God was sort of stirring that in my mind. It's the same here. Having, us, having a long-term commitment to each other to see us equipping one another to be the people that God wants us to be. To continue growing disciples. Continue to care for people. To continue to reach the world. And uh, often it's repetitive. It's hard, it's messy, but yet God is the one who will give us the strength, the courage and enthusiasm to keep that going. Um, so I think sometimes it's good to get that big picture as we uh, get into it. 
So 2017, many of you are probably already operating in this mode already, uh, but many of us are still getting back into holidays and school starts this week, so I still will sort of jump off the, two th you know, we're heading into 2017 as a church as things kick off. Um, so I want to talk about that. So I just want to, as I uh, lead into that, just maybe turn to each other and just say, uh, what are you hoping for this year? What are you hoping for this year? Just have a little bit of a chat to each other, side or back or whatever. What are you actually hoping for this year? What are some of the things that you're hoping uh, might happen this year? Okay. It's good to uh, share some of those sorts of uh, things together. Maybe you can pray for each other either after the service or uh, during the week as well as you think about some of those. So for me, uh, getting my head into 2017 uh, has actually been tough. For me, it's been tough. Uh, it started in Uganda, um, so being in that high-intensity context, but then um, uh, hearing about Lorraine's death, Lorraine Clark's death, that just rocked my world. I don't know what God was doing with all of that. And it was just tough. It, just tough to be separated from that, not involved in that. And I still don't know what God's doing in that. But there is hope because I believe and I'm, yeah, I'm, that I'm going to uh, celebrate heaven with Lorraine conversations I had with her before, late last year, just days before I left. Um, she knew who Jesus was. Then getting back here, um, and I had been sort of a bit removed from, from news and stuff like that, but then there was that, the Burke Street massacre thing that they're calling. And then, you know, just the unending um, media stuff around... Trump and what that's going to mean for the world and uh, while I was away I found out that, you know, a few more terrorist attacks that had happened. Um, thinking about my own family situation and interacting with my dad going through cancer battle and stuff like that and it's just been a bit dead for me heading into the year. Um, and then God um, has been sort of speaking to me in that I've uh, been reading a book, uh, <laughs> can't seem to get away from him, but Tim Keller book um, called Making Sense of God um, and it's sort of an invitation to the sceptical and I think when, when a lot of you hear a lot of that stuff you can actually start to become sceptical and even though I've been a Christian, committed Christian, you, you just become sceptical, what's God up to, how's this all working, what do, how do I get through this, how do I actually engage in another year of this? Uh, and at the same time, I ended up reading um, 1 and 2 Peter, and God was speaking me to, to me in that. And so I, I heard that while I was away, Andrew was preaching on books at a time, so I thought I'd follow in his footsteps, and I'm going to preach on the book of 1 Peter today. Um, but we'll get through it pretty quick. In that book that I was reading, Making Sense of God, um, there's a guy called Andrew uh, Delbanco, um, and he's written a book, and I don't think he's a Christian. He's written a book called The American Dream, and I don't think it's too far from the Australian dream. And it's, it's called A Meditation on Hope. And he's looking at American culture, and as I've been thinking about it and reading about it, I don't think it's a whole lot different to Australian culture in some of these regards. 
Uh, and he says that human beings need to put their experiences that they're having day-to-day into a story. And that story needs to be a story that leads somewhere. And he says that's what begins to give people hope. He says, there's a quote, and he says, we must imagine that something at the end of our lives that transcends our own tiny little allotment of days and hours, if we are at any way to keep at bay the dim, dark mind of suspicion that we have that we are just adrift in a crazy and absurd world. And so I think as he's sort of reflecting as a non-Christian, unless we have some sort of story that we fit ourselves into, how do we make sense of this world? And he says that as he looks back at US history, and I think Australia is pretty much the same, he says there are three stories that people have been putting their life experiences into. When the country started and began, they put it into the God story. So God's story, um, America and Australia were sort of founded by Christian, with Christian morals and, um, and roots and stuff like that. And so uh, the hope was that uh, at the end of our lives, there were hev- that was heaven. Uh, and he talked a little bit about um, the American slaves and the writing of um, gospel, you know, Negro, Negro spirituals he talked about and how that these often sang about heaven. And that people in a hard and oppressed, their story was there's something more to life than this. There is a God who cares for us and loves us and actually has uh, a place for us to go. And that actually gave them hope and gave people hope. And I think uh, in Australia there was is, is a fair bit of that. As we hent- entered out of, sort of out of the 18th and into the 19th century, sort of the Enlightenment comes on board, um, and he says that people then began to leave God, so you might have heard the sayings that God is dead, that sort of idea, they began to, as a nation, as people leave God and put their faith or put their experiences into a national story. So in America it became, and so this is sort of around the times of the world wars and stuff like that, and America was going to be the saviour of the world. And we, we were going to be the great nation that brought um, help to... And this sort of expressed itself in, I am willing to have my life fit into that, that if I even die for my country, my kids or the people afterward have a better life. And I think in Australia we see that, don't we? That people sort of, you know, I would die for my mates. I would put my life... My life is understanding of keeping this country free and giving us um, and me and my kids the possible... And that became... Sort of the story. And now he says that even that is being eroded and destroyed uh, over the last period of time. And now what people are putting their experiences in is into their story of self. So I'm an individual. I choose what I believe. I make up my own sense of reality. I am who I make myself to be. Uh, it's how hard I work. It's how much I save. It's the experiences that I have that, I, that sort of gives me um, you know, uh, a sense of purpose. Yeah, it sort of has purpose. And, but at the end of that, which is sort of they've left God and, and nation, is that when I die, because there is no spiritual reality anymore, uh, I just 
return to the, to the earth. So it's summed up in the, in the Lion King, you know, that um, the cycle, circle of life. And I just become fertilized. And, and he's saying that as, as people are living in this reality, there is an extreme lack of hope in our, na- in our nation and in our world. Um, that, I don't know if you know, that America, Australia, are, you know, some of the most wealthiest countries in the world. We have wealth beyond compare. We have freedoms beyond compare. And yet, both Australia and America have the highest rates of suicide, highest rates of depression, highest rates of family breakdown and family violence in the world. And so, even though we think we're doing well, we live in a great country, there's an extreme lack of hope (laughs) in our country and in our land. And he says, particularly, um, if you don't have that story... When death comes near, that's where often people um, really fall apart. And so in 2017, as you enter the year and you think of um, how do we live in hope? How do we live in this life situation? And that's where I, when I came across Peter, I think in this Peter we have something that gives us um, a story to fit our experiences in. And Peter goes back to what I said. The story is God. He says, I'll give you, this is the God story. So all of your life experiences now, if you fit it into this God story, then you can actually live with extreme hope. And if, we, if you understand the word of God, you can live with hope and joy and peace and love. And that's the worldview. And, and, and so part of what we do each Sunday as we get together is to remind each other of that truth and to, to understand that we do live in a broken world and sin and Satan are affected in this world, but there is hope and there is meaning and there is purpose to all the things that are happening uh, in our lives. And so here, as Fee read out, the story that's before you, again, written by the Apostle Peter, is written to Christians who are scattered in a broken world and are experiencing suffering and, um, and uh, trying to work out what's going on in the world. And this is what Paul says. He says it at the beginning of Peter and at the end of the Peter. He says, I'm writing you this letter to encourage you in reminding you of the truth. And this is the God story. I want you to be reminded of the God story and that you can put your faith in that God story and that that will give you hope that affects the way that you live in the everyday. It's part of the big story. And even uh, as uh, Fee read it, wasn't it? The prophets of long ago, this is is not just um, a New Testament thing. This links back into something that God has been doing through his people from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right through the Old Testament to the time where Jesus came and Jesus lived, died, rose, ascended, and now um, we live in the age of the Holy Spirit and the church. This is part of the big story. And if you understand that big story, then your life has purpose and hope and meaning. And you do have, what it said again, uh, you do have an inheritance that is set before you. A hope that even if you are to die in this country, uh, in this world, that you have a life with God forever. And he says that that, as as we go through Peter, 
Uh, he says that that hope is not something that you just get at the end of your life, that you just wait for. The, but no, it affects what you do now. And if you think about the little kids talk thing, that, that hope actually uh, should bring a sense of excitement, should bring a sense of, um, of courage, a sense of um, perseverance, a sense of community in terms of we're going to do this together uh, as we uh, head into another year. And so I'll just pick out a couple of verses uh, from the book that I think sort of sum it up. And I encourage you to read it this week. Next week, actually, I'm going to do two, Peter. Um, So you can have a look at that. You can read both of them this week. Letters to people like us that are Christian people putting our lives into the God story, into the Jesus story, living with hope in a broken world. And so uh, in this passage, he... uh, that, that classic uh, verse there where it says that through God's uh, grace and mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope that is through the resurrection of Christ. And that, all of Peter and all of particularly the New Testament, the Old Testament actually even pointing to, Christ is at the centre of that story. Through what Jesus did, through his life, death, resurrection and ascension, he now uh, makes it possible for you to have this hope. That, you, that through what he did, you become his children. And when we know that hope and when we believe that hope and all we have to do is trust that hope <laughs> that Jesus did, then that changes everything we do in life. It changes the way we work. It changes the way we deal with cancer. It changes the way we deal with friends' deaths. It changes the way we deal with our family. Because there is a big picture that we put all our little pictures into. And so hope affects the way that we live now. And it's interesting what he says straight after this. He says that hope will bring uh, a shielding to you by God's power. And so, if, and, and I think this is really important for us as we go into this year, thinking of the context that we're going in, that that hope actually begins to protect you from the stuff that's happening in the world. Because if you don't have any story to put the stuff that's happening in the world, you're going to be depressed and suicidal pretty quickly. Because there is no hope. There is no, how do you make sense of it all? And so he's saying that this hope, that Jesus came, died, rose again, so that you can have life forever and gives you life purpose and meaning, that actually begins to protect you from some of that. And it actually allows you to live with joy, with live with confidence as you interact with the brokenness of the world and the brokenness that's in your lives. And then he says straight after that, that you will, um, then you will be greatly rejoicing in your salvation, though you may have to suffer grief of many, and many kinds of trials. And right through Peter, this is his sort of context, though you're suffering and it's hardship, you actually can rejoice in that place because you're a part of a bigger picture. You're part of a bigger picture that's uh, living in a broken world but that has hope of an inheritance that will never perish or spoil, that you now, and this is where he sort of goes in the next chapter, you now have become living stones, the living temple, because you have the Holy Spirit, God's power, God's power that rose Christ from the dead, now lives in you. That will give you hope to engage with these things that are going to come your way. So it's not even sort of our power, it's relying on God's 
uh, power in us. And the language he used there is, um, and it comes out again, isn't it? He uses that fatherly children language. If you read through it this week, he says we have a father that's loving and protecting us and guiding us and will either get us through or he will change the situation. But he will never leave you, he will never forsake you because you are his children through Christ. And then the response comes. And so then he says, if that is true, then respond in worship. Respond in obedience. That's what I, so do what he asks you to do. Live the way he asks you to do. Live this life of love that he has shown you. Now live it now. Enjoy it now. Show it now. And uh, as he goes on, he says, this hope that you have, what does he say later on? Uh, I'll read it as you read through. Uh, chapter 3, verse 15, he says, Set apart Christ as Lord and then be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And that's sort of where it goes, isn't it? As you go out into school this week, as you go out to your workplace this week, as you interact with your family this week, as you interact with brokenness, you actually then have the opportunity to talk about the hope that you have because you have a bigger story to put life's meaning into. And he says that in, through your suffering, and, and, and particularly in Peter, um, and I think it's a biblical theme that goes, as God's people experience suffering and hardship and the effects of spiritual attack and effects of brokenness and um, the curse and evil, as Christians experience that, their hope radiates even more. Their hope actually displays God uh, in those situations. And he, again, is the God that at times changes them, changes those situations dramatically, whether he either heals people or um, restores people or um, provides employment for people or brings about miraculous change. Because he's a God who is over all and through all and in all can do that. Or he actually says, I'll get you through it. I'll give you the power and the strength to get through this. I'll never leave you in, the, in those darkest times, in those things, when you don't know what's going on, just like David the psalmist who cries out, God, what's going on? Just like when I was in Uganda and saying, what's going on? I don't make sense of this. God says, I'm with you in it. I'll get you through it. And this is what, this is what, uh, what tends to happen then. Then, he and Peter talks about this, you do it in the context of a community. Because what happens then, I speak to my wife and she starts to tell me about the promises of God and how that's going to actually get me through that situation. She starts praying for me. I speak to Johan and he starts praying for me. And two days later, there is a tra transformation that I wouldn't have thought would have been possible two days earlier in our team. Um, and I uh, speak to someone on the team who reminds me of a promise of God. And again, I'm put into the big picture. So this tense, uh, hard situation has a big picture that God's actually at work here. And he's getting me through it. And I, and I get home and I talk to some of the people in the street. I go and uh, visit Judy and Lorraine's sons this week. And <laughs> just crazy situation. They didn't go well. Let me just put it that way. It didn't go well. And yet God said, I'm with you in that and, 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 I, and you're being faithful in that as you seek to engage in this broken world and in their broken lives and in their broken situations. I'm with you and you're learning through that and, and I am with you in it. And it actually started to change the way I think. 
again this week as I was heading off into the year and this is my, my usual thing and unfortunately my wife becomes the brunt of it, is I start to get all these self-doubts and I start to whinge and whine about how oh, I can't do this and I can't do that and I'm not this and I'm not that and no one wants to do this and, no one, and I spiral into this self-wallowing pity pool. And then she comes along again and starts to remind me of the truth of who I am in Christ. And she just does it naturally because that's who God has made her to be and she's working out and starts speaking the promises of truth. Um, I meet with some guys, I have breakfast with some guys and again truth comes out. Um, I interact with people in the office and again truth comes out and it puts that little thing that, that was robbing me of hope into a big perspective that I can actually come here this morning and preach with a smile on my face and a spring in my step and with passion in my heart because God is faithful and he is bringing a living hope to us that is beyond anything that you're going to experience this year. And that's not to, to, to undermine that those situations are painful and tough and at times you think you won't even get through them. And that's why God sort of brings us together uh, in that. So, as we go into this year, may I, like Peter, encourage you and testify to you of God and his grace and encourage you people to stand fast in it, to stand firm in that truth, to come back to that big story. And so, as you interact with death this year, where the world's going this year, situations in your family or in your workplace. May you have an expectant trust in a God who will never leave you, never forsake you, and has an inheritance that is beyond compare set aside for you. And just as Jesus is, and Peter says, I want you to follow Christ in this, I want you to follow Christ in this, because Christ had to suffer in this world in order that joy and hope would be lived out. And you can remember that classic verse when it says of Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? Not the cross, not the pain and the suffering and hate. The joy before him was the salvation of people. <laughs> the hope that was going to come to people, the, the, the collecting of the people of God for an eternal um, experience and party and celebration with God. So may you know the purpose of your life in Christ who rose from the dead so that you too would one day when you die on this earth rise to a new life on a new earth, oh sorry, in new heavens and a new earth where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more hardship, no more sin, no more death. May that be your story as you engage in your life this year. May I encourage you to trust it, to trust that story and to continue to walk in faith and particularly so for individuals but particularly for us as a church as we engage in his mission this year, as we continue to grow disciples, as we continue to care for people, as we continue to reach the world, that we will have this hopeful perspective that will get us through uh, whatever comes our way this year. 
and that we can together, like we did again this morning, celebrate uh, the hope that we have in Christ. That as we serve this year and as we work this year, that we will celebrate the work of Christ in each other and in the new people that he will place in our path as well. As we see his kingdom come uh, through his church on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord and God, we come to you again this morning as your kids, as your children. We pray that you would increase our faith. Lord, we know that we have so much unbelief in this, in this world. Lord, that, that our faith often is plagued by doubt. And so I pray that you would grow our doubt into faith and that you would help us to trust and that by the work of your Spirit that we would become more faithful in the way we live. Lord, I pray that you would work in us as a church, that um, you would work through us each, in each of us as we involve ourselves this year in grow groups, in life groups, in ministries, in uh, the things that you call us to, that collectively as your children, as your family, as your people, that we would encourage one another on, spur one another on with the living hope that you have given us. And we pray that as we do this, that your church would be glorified. Oh no, that you would be glorified through your church. Lord, will you help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and know the reality of who we are in and through him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.